Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. A Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Creason, and Bill Hosler. The views, opinions and experiences that are expressed by the hosts or guests as individual Freemasons do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant body, or Masonic authority to which the hosts or guests belong. And now on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Meet, Act, and Part, episode 53. And we're just kind of titling this, wrapping it up. Well, at least for 2022. Uh, I am Greg Knott. I am one of your co-hosts to be here with you tonight. And I am Greg's ever-faithful intern, Darren Laners. And we're missing Bill Hostler tonight, but... Bill is on a cruise. He's headed to the Bahamas, I think. But, Bill, we want to wish you a uh, great vacation. And uh, as we watch the forecast, at least here in the Midwest, we're getting a snowmageddon prediction here in a day or two. Bill, I think you made the right choice to get on the boat and have a good time. So hope you, uh, as you listen to this, when you listen to it, you've uh, had a good time. So Darren and I were just sort of kicking around. What do you, what do, you do on a topic for a wrap-up? One thing we were talking about was this episode really wraps up year number three for the Meet, Act, and Part podcast. And when we started this, we really literally had no idea where we we're going with it. We were just kind of playing around. And uh, it's been amazing how many great guests we've had over the three years, the conversations just Bill and Darren and I've had in general. And you just talk about so many different things in that period of time. Of course, you can't help but reflect on society the last three years and what's uh, went on with that, with COVID and coming out of COVID and now, you know, concerns on, you know, the health concerns still haven't went away in society in general. And, you know, what's the long-term impact of those, you know, on Freemasonry? Again, just sort of given some general observations here, I don't think we've bounced back entirely, you know, as, as as a fraternity. You know, we're slowly getting things cranked back up in regards to in-person meetings and conferences and, and the such. But there's an awful lot of people that got used to being home. And getting them back out into the lodges, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. It has not just been lodges. Other groups I'm in that have nothing to do with Freemasonry, we've seen exactly the same thing. People got so used to being on Zoom and things like that that they expect it. And so... A lot of changes like that out there. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, you know, I think here we are just a few days before Christmas and uh, I was in, you know, Champaign, our big town near where I live today, just noticing how many people were in the parking lot of Walmart and Meyer and other places. And I just sat there and watched and I thought, I think people are slowly are getting back to normal. You know, the all the things we did of sitting at home, really, I think people have gotten tired of it. And so I'm hoping it's a good sign and hoping that we're getting reactivated uh, as a society. So, hey, Darren, why don't we start there and we'll just kind of free flow and see where our conversation heads tonight. I think you're absolutely right. 
the fraternity probably is uh, like, uh, I won't say a direct uh, indicator of, of where society is, because uh, I would, you know, I'd argue that uh, we're a very uh, disproportionate subset of, of society, which, which leans towards uh, probably the boomer generation, uh, if we're going to be quite honest about where we where we are, I mean, to, to be quite honest, I think that of of the generations that, uh, you know, regardless of, I don't want to get into politics, but, um, you know, there w- was a disproportionate amount of our membership that probably was not happy with some of the rules or guidelines that were put in place uh, here. I can only speak here in Illinois and our jurisdiction. I mean, you remember when we had most uh, virtual brother Oakley on at the time uh, when COVID was just uh, ramping up and we kind of uh, had no idea of how long it would, would go on and, and we're still dealing with it. Uh, it's just not uh, as publicized as it, as it was, but it's not gone away. And, um, I think uh, you know we're we're starting to, as you said, see the uh, slow return uh, to normalcy. I mean, we were talking there for a while about this thing called the new normal. Uh, I think that that's kind of out the window. I think we're we're slowly returning to normal, and uh, you know we'll just kind of wait and see how society reacts. But I think from fraternal standpoint. It seems, for the most part, business as usual. Uh, I don't know that we've, at least in our lodges, lost uh, membership because of of COVID. Uh, to my knowledge, we've not lost any direct membership, but because of it, and and the people that were coming prior to it are are coming back to lodge. It's uh, just the age old question, honestly, of how how do we capture the audience that that wasn't showing up to begin with and and uh especially now post covid you know what what can we do to make freemasonry more appealing to these people or or is that even a possibility because if they weren't coming then they probably aren't going to come now yeah not a new problem uh probably maybe a little bit got amplified because of covid i think you hit on the main question is why should they come? What do we do to entice them to come? We've done shows on this and, and talked about it. Um, so age-old problem, we're not going to give up. I think there's always us that, you know, the 10% are the optimists that show up, and we hope those brothers that, you know, were raised and came for a while and keep paying those dues, we hope to keep seeing them. I know a few locals in our area, you know, when I see them, I – Invite them back. I don't ever put any pressure on them. That's one thing about it. You know, that's, I think what's different about Freemasonry is, you know, there is no attendance requirements. There's no, you know, absolute expectation. Like in Rotary, when I was in Rotary, there was an attendance expectation. And they made it clear, and so it wasn't a secret. And so, you know, you know, that was just part of the metric. For us, that's not part of the metric. And, you know, do you have to attend meetings to be a good master Mason? I've seen lots of online discussions on that. Nope, you sure don't. I think you get more out of it though, if you come, but of course, if you come and the lodge 
us who, that are active have an obligation, of course, to, you know, do things so there's value added. And, of course, we could do, Darren, lots of uh, discussions on that. We, we Darren, and, you know, I think our interest, in, of course, is Masonic education. And education can really run the gamut, you know, things like this podcast, historical education, there's enlightenment education, philosophical education, just a lot of, <coughs> excuse me, different things that you can focus on. And, you know, one thing we did recently at Ogden Lodge, which was the the lodge I was raised in, uh, we called, called on me and said, hey, does anybody have education? I said, you know, actually I do. And I pulled up a blog story written by Todd Creason, founder of the Midnight Freemasons. Well, Todd has, um, he entered the seminary a couple of years ago and had, had, has finished up and actually has just gotten the call for a church. So congrats to Todd. But he had written this piece that was not on the Midnight Freemasons, and it was actually based on a sermon he gave, and it was on character. And so it was, you know, a five-minute read. And it was funny, as I read through that, even though he'd written it, you know, for a church audience, what I pulled out of there was just so many things that were applicable to what the fraternity does. And, of course, Todd was there, and he didn't know I was going to read it. But we talked a little bit. It's like how much those values cross over. And, you know, our values cross over to many religions. It's not just Christianity. That was the particular focus, but it was really about character and those those broad principles that he brought out in this particular piece really got people to talk it. And, and at the end of it, I said, you know, I said, this is what we do. If you think about it as a fraternity, we make good men better. OK, sure. We've all heard that saying, but how do we do that? Well, it can be through the discussions, through setting an example for others, through mentoring through just conversations, through just being there when, you know, you need a friend to to be there um, supporting each other. That character development, and Todd and I have long talked about this, is really part of the core, I think, of what we do. There's lots of ways we can do that, but I think that character development is a piece of it. And so to the point of enticing members to come, think about just that little discussion. And everybody, you know, it wasn't very long. But I could tell that the the 10 of us or so in the room took something away from it. And those are the kinds of things that I think can entice people to come, but we have to do them consistently and frequently uh, and with a purpose. You know, that'll entice some some people to come back. Okay. Well, Darren, what else did we do in 2023? You know, early in the year, I went to Grapevine, Texas. The Shriners had a marketing meeting there, and uh, it was very, very well put on. We have, uh, Darren and I and some others have put together a new Shrine Club in our area, and so I went down and got some ideas, and we kind of finished up our first full year with the Shrine Club here recently, and uh, I think it was a good success. We brought in several new members. We had several events that we did. We went to a ball game, had several dinners. And one of the keys, I think, to the club success is we've included the families. And so we always invite the the spouses or significant others to join in on the meetings. And it's it's been an easy way to enhance Blue Lodge. And I, you know, people debate whether you should have to be a Mason to be a Shriner. 
I'm telling you, if you do it right, there's some natural connections there that I think can help build the Blue Lodge membership. So that's something Masonically I worked on in 2022, and I'm actually going to go back to Grapevine in February of 2023 for another series of the meetings. And this one, it's again, it's based on membership and marketing, but they've got a whole new focus on it in regards to their speakers and things. And I like going to it because what I can pull out of that is applicable to not just the Shrine or Blue Lodge, but frankly, anything that we're involved in. Because at the end of the day, it is all about meeting people, enticing them to see whatever your particular organization is, what the value of it is, the value proposition is, and to, to join. And then, of course, for the organization to deliver on that. So that's one of the things I did Masonically this year. Darren, what about you? Well, uh, the, I mean, we've we've done a lot. Uh, you mentioned uh, <laughs> the Salt Fork Shrine Club, but uh, we uh, both were invited and joined um, a CRIF, which I think is uh, has been a really eye opening experience for me personally, and um, has clicked uh, checked a lot of boxes uh, to fulfill. Sonic experience that I don't think uh, some of the other bodies are are, are giving me. So it's been a, a bonus. Was honored to be chosen to lead the um, Grand York Rights Chapters uh, Education Committee for uh, this capitular year. So we started that effort in installation was late July of 2023, and uh, I think some of the highlights or the the main highlight I. I was, uh, in my opinion, we did a virtual festive board uh, the night before Thanksgiving and uh, was well attended. I thought it was a really big success. Um, so looking forward to working with uh, the committee to finish out the capitular year 2023. And on the horizon, uh, still trying to plug away at some book ideas and uh, get a book written. I was wanting to get one done in 2022, but uh, it was not to be. So that's uh, a goal to get done in 2023. I just, uh, I think uh, one of the, the main things also is to uh, honestly make some decisions about where our local lodges are, are, are headed and uh particular St. Joe, which, uh, you know, if you've uh, read any of my articles, you know it's one of my favorite topics uh, of debate. We just need to do something different there, and I'm not quite sure what, but uh, there needs to be change that happens because uh, otherwise we're looking probably at consolidating in the next couple of years. I just don't see any other way around it. Yeah, and it's... Uh... Exactly. I mean, Darren and I are both in that lodge. And, uh, you know, if you search through the archives of the Midnight Freemasons 10, 12 years ago, we were really, really had it going and brought bringing in lots of guys. And, you know, we're doing a lot of activities in town and we're visible in the community. And for whatever reason, over the last decade, we've kind of we've slowed down. And uh, when that first initial you know, wave of energy in 2008 or nine, I think is when it really started, got going. The lodge was in the same shape that it's in now, maybe arguably worse 
they couldn't even make quorums. We've done that, which, you know, that's minimum, but we have done it. So we're at that point again. I, I think in a lot of ways it just exhibits the life cycle of just so many organizations. You come in, you get a lot of energy going, you know, that carries you for a, quite a while. And, you know, then the people that were putting in a lot of the energy in the beginning, well, they've sort of done their part already. And then the new new ones are doing some of their part, but it just loses momentum. And so I think that's the challenge of, I think, any lodge you could nearly look at in the country over its any length of its long history it's going to have these ups and downs. And so, uh, definitely. And so, not ready to give up on St. Joe, I guess, probably because part of it, it was uh, kind of a, a work of love and labor there a decade ago. And I saw what we got done when we put some energy into it. And I think we can do it again. We just got to focus. So, uh, but yeah, Darren, absolutely. That's one of the things in 23. I think we're going to have uh, some conversations about, and who knows, you might see some more Midnight Freemasons articles on those and or a podcast or two. So stay tuned. We'll see how that goes. You know, the, uh, there are just so many things that we, we talked about as, as I looked, you know, over some of our guests from 2022, you know, early in the year we had, uh, Oh, Roger Van Gordon from, Indiana, former Grandmaster of Indiana. And Roger had came on to talk about the project with the uh, with the Grandmaster's group. Of course, the name is escaping me right this second. And all that they're trying to do. So, I mean, I guess I was thinking about Roger, as we're talking about St. Joe here, about reinvigorating craft masonry. And it's just, it's this non-ending cycle again that we need to go through and, you know, in conversations I've had with Roger, even outside of the podcast, you just see it. You know, it's things you swear they're going to die and then they come back. And then, you know, and then it's about on the verge again. And, and certainly the, the numbers in masonry, I mean, my gosh, they peaked out at four million and they're probably less than a million here in the U.S., which, you know, hey, I can't fix that problem. It is what it is. But, you know. I guess there's still enough of us optimists, like I was talking about earlier, that, you know, just don't want to give up. And the reason I don't want to give up is it's not that, you know, I want to sit in another boring business meeting because I don't. But part of that is what when you bring good people in, like somebody brought me in, somebody brought Darren in, we wouldn't have had these experiences had those blue lodges not been there and provide the opportunity to walk through the door or at least initially knock at the door. And so that's that's always what's bothered me about when a lodge goes dark. And certainly there's a time and a place for, for that to happen. But once they do, you don't bring in, you know, potentially the next grandmaster 20 years down the road because they never became a mason to begin with. And though it's not a numbers game, because there is no right amount of masons except for, you know, a minimum to open a lodge. You do still need fresh guys coming through. You know, part of it's for the degree work that keeps members engaged. You need those fresh uh, ideas, that fresh energy that walks through, that gives you the inertia to move a lodge along. And I think you need those new perspectives, because after a while, 
if it's just you and the same seven to ten guys, well, your perspective, you know, horizon isn't very wide. And so I always think about that when I think about Roger and some of the programs that he's worked on with the Conference of Grandmasters. Now it came to me. Uh, so, Roger, we got to have you back on again sometime to, to get your perspective. So you'll probably get a phone call from us here early in 2023 to do another uh, round. So, you know, here I'm finishing 22. I'm, I'm not pessimistic. I'm not unrealistic about some of it, but I just still, I see how much good we can do in the world. And I see how much impact that the fraternity made on me. And I've seen it in Darren and so many other people that once that light goes out, it's over. And those people aren't going to get the opportunity. Um, you know, so that's, that's what part of what motivates me is to try to keep going. Yeah, I think uh, we definitely need to come up with some sort of strategic plan for what 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 what's our objective here. And I think we have to have some hard conversations with some members that uh, you know, are are near and dear to me personally, but uh at the end of the day, I think that they may be obstacles to to potentially growing membership there or a reason why guys may not be showing up uh, to the lodge right now. And as difficult as it is for me to, to say it, uh, it, it, I think is a conversation that we probably need to, to have just because there seems to be a, a common denominator that, that pops up occasionally and, and we need to, we need to figure it out. And I know this particular common denominator means well, and he's not, it's not something that he's doing, I think purposefully or, you know, vindictively. Uh, I just think that's how he's made up, but I think that's how he is made up sometimes as an impetus to guys returning to the, to the lodge because, um, he can be uh, he can be a lot to take in, and he can be uh, very blunt. And uh, I personally don't mind that that bluntness, but other guys may you know have an issue with it, and and may may feel like you know I I can get this abuse elsewhere when <laughs> I come to, to lodge lodge to get it. But it's just uh, I also think that one of the the things we need to do is. It can't just be us trying to, to do the stuff anymore. You know, I, I think that if we're going to do things when we have to commit to them and also financially commit to them, and we are we are great at uh, at talking about ideas and, and very bad about getting them off the ground, um, because usually when it's talked about, there's not uh, anybody to, you know, to uh to lead the initiative and i'm i'm at the point where i've got and you as well greg you know we have to prioritize our time and our energy and our effort to to what uh is going to be possible for us to to achieve and uh but we need some of the other membership to to step up and that's where i think we are in particular lacking because uh it just it's just very difficult to get get members engaged to do anything there. And I, you know, once again, if it's not you or I leading the effort or showing up, I mean, 
we've had limited success. I will say, you know, we had a good, we did have a good uh, turnout. Some of the younger guys uh, in August showed up for the the festival, and uh, we did the dunk tank, and and that was an effort that you know took a lot of guys to to put on, and and the young guys stepped up. So I'm I know that we can engage them, but we have to do things that they also are interested in doing, and that's uh, I think where the mind where the needs to occur. So uh, I think there's opportunities for us to, to partner with the, the Salt Fork Shrine Club to, you know, do some events. I still think that we need to just put on a, a nice dinner for ourselves and have the lodge foot the bill and go to a local restaurant and get a speaker or have some toasts or show people, you know, that we're not just stuffy business meetings and that, uh, that there's opportunity for, you know, that sort of, uh, I won't say formal dining experience, but, you know, that, that we can, we can have festive boards and we can do things outside the lodge and, and, uh, and engage, you know, the community while doing so and hopefully pique some guys interest. But I, I don't know. I've got some ideas. I think we just need to, to, uh, to sit down and formulate, you know, what are one or three things that we would like to do this year with St. Joe. And, yeah. and this is what, uh, this is the effort and this is the money. And, uh, you know, there's the old saying, you have to spend money to make money. And I, uh, I think especially in Freemasonry there, that, that has become truer and truer because I just don't, you know, the, the type of Masonic experience that, that I've learned to enjoy are those best of boards or those, those, um, you know, educational conferences where you have, uh, some of the, you know, top educators or authors or Masonic, um, celebrity, if you will, uh, you know, coming in and, and getting guys that are all like-minded together and, and having these experiences with them. And that's, uh, it's um, not to be understated, and uh, you know, I just uh, if anything, if anything, just even the virtual festival board that we had shows that the interest is there, and I, I think a lot of guys, and I think a lot of uh, guys that aren't masons might just be interested in seeing what what you know what that's about, just because it is, I think very unique experience to not only Freemasonry, but our society in, in general. I mean, other than, other than honestly, a wedding uh, reception, you know, that's the only other, I think, close thing that I could closely tie where you have structured toasts and you have, you know, kind of a structure around, around, um, around that. Uh, so I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but I think that uh, I think that we need to, you know, get this plan and engage the membership and and put it into action. And once again, not have us be the the main contributors. I'll be more than willing to, to do my share to help, but I, I leading this effort to me it needs to come from from other people and some of the people that haven't in the past stepped up. So I'm sure we could almost just put any lodge name in that discussion we just had and uh you could have a lot of people shaking their heads saying yep yep 
Yep. You know, at the end, it's like I wonder, well, A, it takes leadership and in, in initiative. And like you say, there's got to be more than one, two, one or two people because they're not sustainable over time because they run out of energy. And, uh, you know, in terms of programmatic things, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of guys even know how to do it. You know, it is, you know, it's, and I'm not even talking about getting into the deep, you know, philosophical Masonic educational things. That's, that's one thing, but I think there's just a lot of people, a lot of lodges, they really don't know where to start, which almost seems ironic. And when this day and age, the last 10 or 15 years, the act, absolute explosive growth of online Masonic resources, blogs and podcasts and YouTube channels. I mean, you name it, somebody like Darren and Bill and I, we've started, you know, a podcast or whatever it is, it's out there. And so there's simple resources. I just think a lot of people, they don't know where to start. And then Darren, I think to your point of uh, the analogy I'll use is like, the little old church lady that controls the whole congregation because she doesn't want to see anything change. And yet people are afraid to say something to her on the, on the, you know, premise that she might get upset yet. The little old church lady is the one that's holding it back from the, the change that it's going to need to thrive or, or survive at the minimum. And I think about this a lot is that people like to hold on to what they know and I think that's especially true as you get older, and we're definitely an older age demographic. But if you don't change, even what you've got's not going to survive as it is because, you know, people come and go or they pass away or they, you know, move on with their interests. So if you're not constantly reinventing what you got, you're not even going to hold on to what you have. And I think, you know, a lot of groups suffer from this, and, and, you know, we've seen it in our lodges, that if we can't move on from that and be able to question it and say, look, if we don't do something different or just do something, we're not going to be here in two years. And, you know, the things I talked about earlier about the new opportunities for others to enter the fraternity, not going to happen because the doors are shut and, the you know, there's a condo in your building instead of the lodge hall or whatever it is. So there's... Yeah, a lot of things in 23 we'll talk about uh, to come, uh, to you know, to come with that. So I think, Darren, maybe one of our things we'll do is sporadically as we do our podcast in 23, we'll give some updates. Because I think if nothing else, it keeps us kind of on the queue of saying, hey, you know, what are you guys doing about it? You know, even if you don't want to be in charge of everything, what are you doing? And so I think we could give our listeners a little bit of an update of, how the lodge is doing and what's some of the things we're going to do to have those conversations and how do you start those conversations? So we'll keep you posted on that. So yeah, Darren, I thought the, uh, the, the, the Royal Arch event we had the night before Thanksgiving with the festive board and the toasts went extremely well. I think Darren, also to your point about visibility in the community and We've started to do this with the Shrine Club. Shrine Club's different, obviously, than the Blue Lodge. But yet, you know, people are starting to see, at least we're there. You know, we hold our meetings in the restaurant, right in the restaurant. Everybody sees us. We're wearing the fezes. 
And there's again, no reason we couldn't do that with the blue lodge and, you know, wear wear suits at night and have a speaker and everybody's going to like, Oh, I didn't even know they were still around. And then, you know, that kind of a, a, a conversation. So probably enough about St. Joe lodge, but we will uh, keep you updated. So what else in 23? Well, you know, recently, and I had one of my cousins passed away and he uh, just want to tell his story. Randy, uh, Randy joined a small lodge in uh, Broadlands, Illinois in 1979, I believe, and was a member for about 15 years and ended up demitting in 1994. Fast forward to 2020, and he had told me and eventually got a hold of Todd Creason, says, you know, I really want to be back in Blue Lodge and reinstate my membership. So Randy did, and he came, I mean, to Ogden Lodge practically every month. And he, he just so loved to come and he was so glad to be back and he just enjoyed the conversations and, you know, the, the dinners we'd have beforehand and stick around and have some conversations, you know, after the meeting, he was a steward. He was somebody, he, you know, he says, I can't learn ritual, but he was faithful and he came and, uh, he recently passed away, uh, had gotten sick and just, you know, succumbed to, uh, the health issues there, but we had his Masonic funeral recently. And uh, it was invigorating to see how many guys were there, about 25. And it got me thinking that Randy's dad, uh, Tuck Earl, his, uh, his dad, my uncle, was the whole reason I joined Masonry to start with, because when my great uncle died, they had a Masonic funeral for him. And it really spurred me to, to say, you know, I just finally need to do that. I thought about it forever, just hadn't taken the initiative to do it and uh, got a petition and filled it out. And I just thought, you know, it's uh, it was a good tribute. I I was the, I played the secretary in Randy's funeral and Randy's Masonic obituary, and I just thought it was just uh, full circle in a way for me, especially being a family member, to be able to do that. But the even more cool part is uh, his son – Chuck is coming through and getting his degrees. And so uh, he and I spoke about some of the Masonic service and the getting things ready as we prepared to, to do Randy's funeral. And, you know, and I thought there's Chuck, he's probably fourth or fifth generation now on his particular side of the family uh, that's come through the blue lodge. And, uh, but Chuck told me, he goes, you know, I'm pretty sure my dad had bought me an apron, uh, to give to me when I uh, was going to be raised and he's, we're getting ready to do his third degree here in the next few weeks. And, uh, ended up, uh, I found that apron the other night at Ogden lodge. I didn't know Randy had left it there. And so, uh, it was on the steward's chair. So after the meeting, we took Randy's apron. It was a past master and apron that he had purchased. And we, uh, put it on the back of the steward's chair gathered around the chair and we just we had a moment of silence for Randy. And, you know, I thought again, that's in a way, that's what the fraternity is just a simple act. And that was the same night we had the character discussion and it just, that's what we do. And again, sometimes you don't have to have these deep philosophical conversations, but it's just, 
it's the dignity. It's the right thing to do to remember that brother. And uh, it was a small tribute, but I think it really, to me, spoke um, really spoke to what this fraternity does. Is that we come and support each other, and uh, in in time of need. So, uh, if you've never seen a Masonic funeral, I encourage you to participate. One, uh, even if you don't know the brother, you're always going to be welcome at that service if you're a Freemason, and Sometimes they're lightly attended and sometimes they're heavily attended. I know the, I, I was watching the, the audience and the family as Jeff Bain, who's uh, one of our local members, did the master's part in the, the Masonic funeral ritual. And Jeff was a very good ritualist and he was pulling the audience in with those words. And, and, the the funeral ritual varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but its its essence is, um, you know, talking about our brother, talking about all of us that survive him. Uh, one, one one part of it, at least in the Illinois version, talks about you know, and and you know, the, the angel of death comes when we least expect it, or which or when at at a time which to us seems. I remember the line says the meridian of our existence. In other words. Just when we're at the height of our game, whatever that is in life, you might be swept down, you know, and it's your time to go. So point being, you think about these things and keep them in perspective. And as Jeff delivered those words to the audience, I could see a lot of people reflecting on, you know, the moment and probably their own lives and what was happening in them and where where they were and, you know, whatever point in time. But it's, I think it's one of the most public and most powerful statements that our fraternity makes as to who we are and what we are. And as we finished, at least in tradition here in this area, is we all shake hands with the family, all the Masons that were there. So there was 25 guys there. And as they left and exited the, the funeral home, they all shook hands, in this case, with uh, Randy's son, Chuck, who's coming through the degrees. And I just thought, wow, what an impression that's made. He's not even finished. He hasn't been raised yet. But that impression that it's made on him, just like it made an impression on me, you know, 15, 18 years ago when uh, Chuck's grandfather, my uncle, passed away. And so it's that's something that, you know, if you've not looked at that Masonic funeral ritual or if you haven't been to one, Take some time to do it because it'll leave a very powerful impact on you. And when you look at the ritual, a lot of those words are going to be very familiar to you because they're probably part of your jurisdiction's ritual work already. And you may already know part of it. So that's something here in 22, Darren, that uh, kind of made an impact on me as we came to the, you know, the end of the year was thinking about that, not, not, not just death. I mean, you know, we have our own lessons in Freemasonry of what, what that means. But, you know, just a reflection of time, reflection of impact on others, impact on how we can have that good example in the community and, and what we do for others. So that's that's a little bit of my rambling, Darren. Yeah, and uh, just to take it a step further, if not for your uncle's Masonic funeral and you getting interested in Freemasonry, 
I wouldn't be a Freemason because uh, I don't know if we've told the story and if we have, I'll, I'll tell it again. But uh, I first met Greg through scouts. Uh, our sons were in the same um, tiger den. And I was uh, one of, if not the only dad who stuck around to help out with uh, the, the den. And, uh, you know, Greg and I got to, to I think, become friends through through scouting and uh he asked me if i'd be interested in joining freemasonry and the, you know i was a uh, full disclosure raised uh catholic so all of the information that i had about freemasonry was you know what a what a bad thing <laughs> it was and uh you know obviously I will, I will say I was very much a lapsed Catholic by the time I met Greg. Uh, I prefer the term recovering Catholic, uh, but uh, in any case, you know, it's just funny how, uh, how not only did your uncle's uh, Masonic, you know, funeral interest you into Freemasonry, but it then led to me and, and others that you've gotten to join the fraternity in that way so uh, i think that's a, that's a beautiful story of of what freemasonry is about and absolutely agree 100 percent that our our funeral ritual is i think the perfect embodiment of masonic philosophy and it's almost a shame that that it's only uh you know solely designed to be given at, at funerals because uh, i think that the that a lot of the messages that uh, are within that that ritual are you know ones that can be taken outside the context of of the end of one's life and and more taken in a, I guess in a way of a memento mori or, or a carpe diem where you know you uh, are you have to remember that you're going to die but also to try to make the most of of every day that you you have and make a positive impact and uh that's why i, I uh you know wear my masonic ringing uh case in point i went to walmart earlier this evening and the uh cashier said that's a nice masonic ring you have and we got to talking and she uh, inform me that you know her father was a mason her mother was eastern star she was a rainbow girl and she's also was a member of eastern star and she's in uh i want to say monticello and uh i had said well they she was wanting to, to know if there were any local uh oes chapters and i said i don't think there's one in monticello but uh you could probably champagne or decatur which you know is still a drive for her where she's at uh but it just it's those types of connections and i've made you know made those before it's just the casual um somebody noticing your ring and striking up that conversation whether they be you know masonic affiliated uh, a mason themselves or masonic affiliated and it's just uh, that it's that brotherhood and i'll say dare say sisterhood of our fraternity and the appended bodies that uh, we support and uh, that uh really i don't think there's anything other than maybe scouting it would be in and i don't have military experience but maybe also the military uh those would be the only other things i i think where where you would have that kind of type of common bond with with someone just uh based upon their affiliation to an organization so i think you know to your point that uh 
you know, Freemasonry is needed now more than ever. I do hopefully think that there's start to there started to be a little bit of a sea change, and I think that uh, some of the nastiness. I'm hoping that some of the nastiness that the modern 24 by 7 news cycle and and political uh, you know ideologies being uh, being uh, displayed. I think I think we're hopefully seeing a, a change uh, for the positive in that direction. Uh, of course. Uh, Let's let's hope I'm right. I may be wrong. I hope I'm not wrong. But I think that uh, at the end of the day, I think people are just, uh, you know, we said that they are sick of uh, what we've had to endure with, with the coronavirus. And I think also part of this is that I think a lot of people, on, regardless of political affiliation, are, are sick of, uh, you know, the constant far ends of their uh, particular political philosophies and uh, and that hopefully those voices that that uh, for whatever reason were given majority during this all this I, I think hopefully are becoming more silent and will uh, hopefully be able to to some point where we are able to uh, meet um, somewhere in the middle I hope hey Darren I think you're right uh, on your observation. The extreme voices are always disproportionately loud. And, you know, some people tend to think that, well, that's what everybody's thinking. And, well, it's not. I think what's seen in the last two or three years is so much of the crazy conspiracy theory stuff and all kinds of things, politics and, you know, certainly Freemasonry has been subject to conspiracy theory talks. And we've had podcasts on that here. But I think after a while, people are starting to sift through the the garbage and see what's facts. And as the facts become apparent, and I don't mean just politically, just in anything that you're dealing with in life, clarity has a, a way of bringing change that the extreme voices can't. Because most people really... I've always been convinced reside in that middle. I don't care what organization it is, whether it's politics, the church, you know, Freemasonry, a social club, the majority of the people are sort of in the middle. If you know, think of that, you know, picturesque bell curve. Most people, they're we're within that, you know, range of, uh, of that meeting in the middle. And so, you know, I think in society, we begin to get clarity of these extreme voices and what they're trying to do to affect people's opinions to, to get their particular means accomplished. And as people learn to say, mm, yeah, I don't think that's true. Well, we're going to see, I think a, a more of a, of a, you know, a shift back to, to the middle, uh, that mainstream is really what made this country great. It's not the extremes. And that's what makes a lot of organizations great. doesn't mean you're being medi mediocrity. I'm not saying that at all. It's just there's those people that uh, there's steady change, steady leadership, steady thought processes, thought leaders in the communities. Those are the people that, uh, for the most part, have driven, I think, where this country's gone. They've driven where a lot of organizations have gone. And 
those extreme voices, eventually they die off because they're not sustainable. And so, Darren, I think your observation is right. I think looking at it from a, you know, again, an 80,000-foot view, eventually that's only going to help Freemasonry because really, for the most part, that's where we are. We're in that mainstream in, in, in the middle because we can include all voices and all kinds of beliefs in what we do. But yet we don't tell you how to, what to think or how to believe or, or what to do. It's not about that. But yet the kind of people will attract overwhelmingly, I think, fit in that, you know, in that mainstream view. It doesn't mean they're not leaders. It doesn't mean they're not innovators. It doesn't mean that they're not, you know, movers and shakers and, and get things done. But they're not going to be those extreme ends of the spectrum because they're people that really, I think, care about their communities want to see things improve, want to see people succeed, want to see their, uh, you know, their local communities thrive. And that's where masonry can have a big, big impact. I've always said, you know, really the, 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 the practical part of Freemasonry is not in the lodge. You know, the things you're learning there, you know, either through correct education or just by, you know, working with brothers, it's taking those skills and experiences back out into the broader community and applying them. And if you're not, you know, then you're missing something there. And there's a million ways or more to apply those in the community. It could be in your church, it could be in your school, it could be in your, your workplace, it could be in your social circles, it could be in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter. Those things you learn and how to do them, they're going to impact the world. And so I guess, you know, if, if you see nothing else in all the conversation, you know, from my sort of viewpoint tonight is all these things come together, you know, and that's what makes this fraternity great. There's a lot of work to do. I'm never going to dismiss that, but I still, I'm either foolishly optimistic or something. I don't know, because I just, I just see the good we can do. Darren and I can't do it by ourselves. And as we spoke about earlier, but collectively there's just so much impact we can have. You know, and again, you can, listen, you can listen to the goofballs about the Freemasons running the world. I tell you what, I sure hope so, because our ideals are what exactly this country and this world need. So I hope Freemasons rule the world, you know, and if all the conspiracy theorists are right, someday maybe we will. So if you're a conspiracy theorist, hang on, because we're coming. Uh, well, we're getting along the hour here. A couple of things, you know, uh, Darren, I've... I, I I had a uh, I had a fall uh, earlier this uh, late summer when I was at the Philmont Scout Ranch. I took a step. We were climbing up a mountainside, and my foot went one way, my leg went the other. So I messed my knee up. So I've got it uh, on the mend, and so I've had six six weeks at least at this point in time after the surgery of physical therapy and things like that. And I've Darren and I've spoken, and I said, you know, it really changes your perspective. I mean, you can't drive because I can't because it's the my right uh, right leg, and just how much it changes your perspective on what you appreciate, what you uh, think about, and how you think about it. And uh, so, you know, one quick example. I mean, I'd been home two or three weeks, and Darren comes to see me, and I tell you what, Darren, I was so glad to see you. I hadn't seen anybody except my dogs and you know immediate family for two or three weeks. It is just that little thing, and we, we sat here and just talked about, you know, all kinds of stuff. We probably should have recorded it as a podcast. We were talking about all kinds of good stuff. But uh, it's just that little stuff like that. Again, 
that and Darren gave me a ride. I mean, it seems meaningless, but you know, here he was. He came pick me up. We got to the AMD meeting and and put the AMD back on the road of doing good things again. But it's this thing about brotherhood. It's these little things that where I talked about earlier how you put them into practice. And uh, sometimes I think we make it too hard, and or and we're too hard on ourselves. I think at times too as a fraternity, but. I just think about things like that that really change my perspective and uh, really keep me going. And so I'm just about on the mend, but I'm telling you, it does change your perspective on, uh, you know, it's like, oh, am I going to have a ramp to go up because I can't step up the steps and all those kinds of things. So definitely want to thank Darren. Got to really thank my wife, and though she'll probably never listen to this podcast, but it wasn't for her. I'd never gotten through any of this. But uh, so I'm, as I'm wrapping up 22, I'm looking ahead to 23 and thinking, yep, health matters. And so I think we'll do a podcast on health at some point down the road, Darren. Uh, you know, all kinds of things we could spin off of that. And I've actually seen a Masonic podcast. I can't think of the name of it right now. That actually, this brother talks about working out and, you know, using some of the principles of masonry to stay motivated to do, you know, some things for healthy living. So maybe we'll get him on here. But uh, that's just one of the things that we get here, like I said, long in the hour that I've been working on. And so here, Darren helped me, even just a couple simple little things that get you through that uh, that period of time. Well, it's my pleasure to, to help you. And, uh, you know, what we're talking about, what we do as, as Freemasons, this is what, what we do. You know, we uh, to our brothers, we, we extend a helping hand when, they're, when they need it. So... And, uh, yeah, even though Brooke will probably never listen to this, uh, your wife's a rock star, so uh, I hope that you are spoiling her rotten for Christmas. And uh, Greg's not going to mention it, but he's going to be uh, heading to Tampa to see the Illini uh, play in their bowl game here. Uh, when is that? Is that uh, New Year's Day, Greg, or is that Actually, once the... January 2nd. And if the you're second. A... Okay. So. If you're an Illini fan like Darren and I, you know this doesn't happen very often, so we get to a bowl game. So yeah, and they they hedged their bets. They extended the coach uh, today, so now he'll probably be worth crap. So <laughs> yeah, knowing yeah. knowing the Illini as we do, it's like Coach Bielema, if you're listening, come on, go Illini, yeah. and yeah. you need to be a you need to be a Freemason because one of your other here at Illinois is a Freemason, so uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be alone. Cats out of the bag now. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, maybe in 23 we'll do a Masonic uh, sports sports episode, too, because there's obviously been some great uh, athletes, uh, oh, yeah, members of the craft, and, uh, you know, especially in baseball. God darn, I, you know, I love baseball. I don't watch it as much as I used to. But growing up, I was a Cincinnati Reds fan, which is odd when you're exactly in the middle of Cubs and Cardinals country. But in the 70s, the Big Red Machine was just that. It was a machine, and I got hooked on listening to their games. And, and we went over to Riverfront Stadium, which was where they played at the time in Cincinnati a number of times. And uh, just a good feeling, you know, Tony Perez and Pete Rose and, God, you know, George you know, or Johnny Bench and uh, George Foster and Tom C., you know, a guy just go, Dave Concepcion and, just so many great players. I don't know that any of them were Freemasons necessarily, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so 80, 89 days to spring from today. So maybe uh, 
we'll do a baseball one and get us going uh, sometime this winter too. Sounds like a plan. Well, Darren, anything else you want to add here as we kind of wrap up on our, we had a lot of potpourri of discussion, but uh, it's always uh, it's fun to sort of have these conversations unscripted and sometimes without a guest and just see what's going on. Just uh, once again, want to thank the listeners uh, without uh, whom uh, we would just be three guys uh, talking amongst ourselves. Not that that's a bad thing, but we we do appreciate the support. And it always humbles me when I am out in the wild and somebody uh, tells me how much they, they love the podcast. So I really, uh, really hope that uh, everyone that's listening has a very safe and merry holiday season. And uh, we'll talk to you in 2023. And let me just echo what Darren just said. We so appreciate all of you that take the time to listen. Like Darren mentioned, it is uh, it is actually very humbling when somebody says, oh, well, yeah, I listen to that podcast. And uh, so we really appreciate it. If you have any ideas for podcasts or if you've got an interesting topic and want to be considered to a guest, go to meetactonpart.com and you can find out where to contact us. We're always looking for new ideas, especially as we get ready to enter our fourth year of this podcast. And we enjoy doing it. I want to thank Darren, who does all the editing on this. I want to thank Bill, who's our marketing and social media guru, because those guys really literally make happen, put it together, get the word out. And and I just want to thank all the brethren in general for everything you uh, have done for the craft and have done for uh, Darren, Bill, and I as we uh, have done this podcast. We've had a lot of fun with it. As Darren said, want to wish you a happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy New Year, and uh, and perhaps any other thing that you, uh, you may celebrate with your family as we come through this uh, season. So... Here's to the end of 2022. Looking forward to 2023. And thank you for listening to us on Meet, Act, and Part. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show, visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com. While there, please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet act and part.